Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. It's Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023, and this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. I'm Adam B. Levine, here again with your Daily News Roundup. On today's show, we're talking Bitcoin, top headlines, and more. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Bitcoin, Ether, and other top tokens are up and markets showing mostly green. But the green that we're seeing in crypto this morning seems to be the exception, while most of our traditional market indicators are showing losses as concerns grow that the masters of the universe in Washington won't arrive at a deal on time. But before we get ahead of ourselves, there's limited upside for cryptocurrency markets in the near term. Bank of America said in a research report out on Friday, quote, low conviction, limited catalysts and outperformance year to date leave the digital asset sector stuck in a trading range with a challenging macro background, likely capping digital asset upside, the analysts wrote. The bank says conversations with clients suggest that hedge funds are returning to token trading, quote, with momentum strategies likely benefiting to some extent from heightened volatility due to declining trading volumes, end quote. Momentum investing is when investors buy assets that are rising and sell them when they appear to have peaked, using volatility to identify buying opportunities opportunities in short-term uptrends, and then selling when momentum appears to be waning. The big bank says that it expects cryptocurrency trading volumes to remain subdued, with retail investors remaining on the sidelines. Traditional finance companies and tech firms continue to build blockchain applications focused on tokenizing demand deposits, repo settlements, and bond issuance, the report added. And in related news, digital asset investment products have witnessed outflows for the fifth consecutive week as Bitcoin outflows, or the dollar amount by which sellers outnumbered buyers, last week came to $32 million pushing the total during this current streak to $232 million, according to a report from CoinShares. Investors withdrew some $33 million from Bitcoin products last week alone, meaning that BTC funds yet again dominated the outflows, as they have throughout this five-week period. Quote, It's unclear why there's such coordinated negative sentiment for both long- and short-term investment products, CoinShares said, noting that even products that short Bitcoin saw an outflow of $1.3 million last week. Turning our attention to the number two token, interest in staking Ether, or locking coins into Ethereum's consensus system to earn a passive yield, has surged since the implementation of the latest upgrade, which was on April 12th. Data tracked by Glassnode shows that more than 4.4 million Ether have been deposited into the staking contract since that date, taking the total amount of staked tokens to 22.58 million. Quote, the surge in demand for staking probably originates from large Ether holders who prefer not to liquidate their holdings and instead seek to generate passive income, analysts at Bitfinex said in a weekly report shared with Coindesk this morning. Today's crypto coverage comes courtesy of Coindesk markets analysts Lila Ledesma, I'm Kirk Goodblay, and Will Canny. 
Bitcoin is currently trading at $27,295. That's up almost 2% since our show yesterday, while Ether is trading at $1,852 per ETH. That's up about 2.25% in the same time period, according to the Coindesk Market Index. And speaking of the Coindesk Market Index, we're looking at an absolute rating this morning of 1,208. That compares against yesterday's rating of 1,185 and represents a just under 2% gain across top traded tokens on the day. Now, before we get to today's headlines, let's take a quick look at traditional markets. In the U.S., indexes were down, with the Dow losing just under a point, the S&P 500 down 7 tenths of a percent, and the Nasdaq Composite trading just under break-even. In Europe, London's FTSE 100 bucked the trend, gaining 3 tenths of a percent, while both the regional stocks 600 and Germany's DAX fell by just over a quarter of a point. In Asia, the losses were deeper. China's Hang Seng and Shanghai Composite Indexes fell one and a quarter and one and a half percent, respectively. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 lost just under half a point. In commodities markets, Brent crude, that's the international benchmark for oil, gained 1.5%, currently priced at $76.68 per barrel, while gold fell just slightly, down just under half a point, and currently trading hands at $1,966 per troy ounce. And finally, First Republic Bank, that's the indicator we're tracking now to help gauge the current status of the monetary policy-induced banking crisis of 2023, gave back all of its recent gains we've told you about, falling a bit more than 6% to trade once again at $0.36 per share. Today's traditional markets coverage draws from MarketWatch. In our top story of the day, Jamie Dimon, CEO of too-big-to-fail giant J.P. Morgan, warned on Monday about a future of tighter money and its repercussions. Quote, We haven't been through quantitative tightening, so we really don't know what's going to happen to deposits at all. And that's why I'm quite concerned about that. I'm probably more concerned about quantitative tightening than anybody in this room, he said. Quantitative tightening, or QT, by the way, is the reverse of quantitative easing, or QE. During QE, central banks essentially encouraged the flooding of cheap money into the financial system, artificially lowering interest rates as a way to encourage riskier behavior and boost asset bubbles. This is done, it's claimed, of course, to keep the economy afloat. But the difference between someone who takes painkillers because of a recent injury versus someone who takes them constantly in ever larger amounts is instructive here. Quantitative tightening, then, is the opposite. It's the reversal of that flow, where money is artificially made more expensive and interest rates are pushed up higher and faster than they would otherwise be. And hey, I guess I'm describing our last year until this recent bout of bank failures, but I digress. Continuing the quote, We've never had QT before. It just started, okay? You see huge distortions in the marketplace already. We've never had the Fed in the markets like this with the RRP program that Jeremy mentioned ever. They have $2.3 trillion basically lent out to money funds, and I don't know the full effect of that. So I think people should build into their mindsets they may have to move deposit beta more than they think and manage that. So, I mean, if I was any bank or any company, I'd be saying, can you handle higher interest rates and surprises and deposits, etc.? End quote. It's worth noting that J.P. Morgan, the largest too-big-to-fail bank in the U.S., has never actually raised its depositor interest rates to reflect the current environment. It still pays 0.01% interest on deposits, if you can believe that. So, of course, his advice here isn't really to himself. He knows that given that his bank is too big to fail and will be bailed out, that it actually has a problem of having perhaps too many depositors. It doesn't want to grow in size that much because it's not actually a helpful thing for it. It just draws more attention to it, and it's not like they actually need more money. So it's worth noting, of course, that this advice he has here about interest rates and surprises in deposits really are for other banks that have less privilege than his. We've got Zero Hedge linked in the show notes on this one. In other news, the parliamentary floor leader of South Korea's ruling People Power Party wants a new bill requiring lawmakers and high-level government officials to declare their cryptocurrency-related assets to take effect within two months. 
which is earlier than originally planned, according to a report this morning by a local news agency. The original bill, currently being finalized in the wake of allegations made against an opposition party politician, had been scheduled for implementation in December, but in remarks to reporters, the official has said that it should be amended to bring forward the enforcement date to within just one or two months from now. Quote, Given the high level of public interest, especially regarding lawmakers, it's not appropriate to enforce the law six months later after the promulgation, they said, according to the report. South Korea is arguably one of the most interesting environments outside the U.S. for crypto, having been home to many innovative products and significant internal demand, once known as the kimchi premium. And of course, it was also the home of the now-collapsed Terra Luna ecosystem, which catalyzed quite a lot of the failures last year. All that stuff is getting cleaned up, and they seem to be taking it pretty seriously, although I'm curious to see how all this goes in practice. Coindesk Samitash Singh has more on this one. And finally, the new CEO of FTX, that's John Ray III, who was appointed to manage the disgraced exchange's bankruptcy process, hinted back in January that the exchange could potentially be rebooted. Now, new items in his latest billing report suggest that there actually is work underway to do just that, although it's not terribly compelling quite yet. Filing show the new CEO spent about seven hours on items related to the so-called 2.0, which is thought to mean FTX 2.0, or a reboot of the exchange. To date, there's no evidence, aside from hypothetical statements, that there is a concrete plan to restart that exchange, aside from internal sketches, though Ray has not ruled it out entirely. Quote, Everything is on the table, Ray told the Wall Street Journal back in January, continuing, If there's a path forward on that, then we will not only explore it, we'll do it. End quote. Coindesk Sam Reynolds reports. And that's our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, send the show an email at podcast at coindesk.com or you can email me directly at adamlevine at coindesk.com. If you like what we're doing, we always appreciate reviews on Apple Podcasts or your preferred listening platform. Have a great rest of your day and we'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Markets Daily.